Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, this week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario. A proud, independent family business run by a punk rocker, Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily, all baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. It's gourmet panzerotti, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks, and oh man, the pizza, the pizza. Personally, I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio. Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Hello! Hi. How's it going? Before I get to uh, this episode and my guest this week, I just want to mention that I'm actually going to be in Peterborough, Ontario uh, this week, the next couple of days, for the Peterborough Folk Festival. They asked me to come and host some stuff, so I assume I'll be on stage introducing bands and milling about. So if you're in Peterborough for the uh, Folk Fest, come and say hi if you weren't planning to go. There's a folk festival in Peterborough uh, this weekend, so go check that out. I am hoping to be in Toronto on Sunday for Riot Fest uh, because I want to see the band that my guest on this episode is in, Iggy and the Stooges. Iggy and the Stooges are playing Riot Fest, everyone. That is insane. That's that's crazy. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, if all goes well, I'm gonna get to finally see Iggy and the Stooges. They're playing at uh, Riot Fest uh, in Fort York. On August 25th, also on the bill, The Replacements, The Weaker Thens, Rocket from the Crypt, Dinosaur Jr., Best Coast, The Flatliners, and Single Mothers. So it should be fun. And speaking of Iggy and the Stooges, my guest on this episode, James Williamson of Iggy and the Stooges, the guitar player, songwriter, producer. He does it all. Let's find out more about James Williamson on this show. Everybody loves to eat, right? 
And some of us even love to cook delicious meals for ourselves, our friends, and our families because it's how we show each other we care. In the best case scenario, we're also thinking a lot about our food, where it comes from, how it's grown and made, and how our dinner might be impacting the world around us. On Saturday, September 14th, the Eden Mills Writers Festival encourages you to have some food for thought. World-renowned food expert Michael Pollan made headlines for his bestseller, The Omnivore's Dilemma, and his new book, Cooked, A Natural History of Transformation, has struck a similar chord. Sarah Elton is a food columnist for CBC, and her new book, Consumed, Food for a Finite Planet, casts an empowering eye on how thoughtful food production can change the world. Michael Pollan and Sarah Elton appear together for an accessible all-ages talk at Rosansky Hall at the University of Guelph at 2 p.m. on Saturday, September 14th. If you care about food and where it comes from, go to EdenMillsWritersFestival.ca for more info and don't miss this rare event. James Williamson is a legendary guitarist best known for his role in the hugely influential proto-punk band Iggy and the Stooges from Detroit, Michigan. 1973 saw the release of the band's classic album, Raw Power, featuring a rather unprecedented combination of guitar, pyrotechnics, and sensitivity by Williamson that few had ever achieved up to that point. When the band broke up, Williamson worked a bit with Iggy Pop and, and also on his own solo ventures before giving up music altogether to pursue an electrical engineering degree at California State Polytechnic University and uh, eventually a career in his field working for Sony. In fact, on September 28th, he will give the keynote talk at the C2SV Technology Conference and Music Festival in Silicon Valley, and then in February, he'll be inducted into the Engineering Hall of Fame. After retiring from Sony in 2009, Williamson reunited with Iggy and the Stooges, and earlier this year, they released Ready to Die, their first album together in 40 years. The band is currently on the Riot Fest tour, which makes a stop in Toronto on Sunday, August 25th. And here to discuss this further is the great James Williamson. Hi, James. How are you? Hey, Bish. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Where in the world are you? Uh, I'm in Saratoga, California, which is um, a little bit south of San Francisco. Oh, okay. Is that, is that home base for you? Yeah, that's home for me. Oh, nice. All right, excellent. Well, it's nice to be home because you got... I guess you don't have a full-fledged tour coming up. You've got like three or four shows? Well, we've been on a full-fledged tour um, as full as we as we do them anymore, but um, all over the world, really. Uh, we just got back from uh, Korea last week, and then uh, now, of course, we're, we're going to uh, play in Toronto, and then we have uh, Denver and then San Jose, so that's the end of it for this for this season for us. Okay, and, and how are you keeping up with all of this? It's a lot of traveling. Yeah, well, you know, we we uh, we don't do it like the young guys. We <laughs> we don't play every night. Um, and so we <clears throat> usually will play uh, uh, maybe every other night or every couple of nights. So we get a day of travel and a day off, and then and then play. So it's not it's not too bad, and we're. We're kind of at a place where where we we uh, uh, you know the accommodations are pretty cushy and stuff, so it's not like the old days. Okay, all right. Well, I want to wish you uh, congratulations on being asked to give the keynote speech at this technology conference, and also your 
your induction into this uh, Engineering Hall of Fame. What do you make of all this? Well, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I think I may actually be the only holder of two Hall of Fames, one rock and roll, one engineering. <laughs> and so um, I'm like, um, I was pretty astonished to get that letter on the engineering one especially, um, you know, just because I'm not sure what I did exactly to deserve that. <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, somebody thought I should get it, so that's good. And, and um, I'm not turning it down. I, I, uh, I, you know, the whole thing is, is really very gratifying for us. Uh, you know, after all these years when in the early days we really were uh, very, very, uh, unliked, if you will, and and uh, so we kind of uh, did what we did just because we thought it was the right thing to do, and and finally, all these years later, we we have some people who agree with us. Right, right. Well, you, you say you're not sure why you received this this letter, but did you did you actually have a specific kind of realm of expertise uh, when it comes to electrical engineering? Uh, well, not really. You know, I I um. I guess what I ended up as was an executive at Sony uh, in charge of uh, the technology standards for the for the Americas. So that you could say there's a, a that's an area of expertise. But I, you know, I started out in the semiconductor world and I went through a lot of different things. But I I think maybe Hall of Fame for a university is more like you know, somebody who became successful as an engineer, which I did. Oh, I see. And, uh, and then also, you know, I, I've also had success in more than one career. So it's, I think it's more of a, um, well, I don't want to second guess it because I haven't even received it yet. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I have a feeling it also is, is uh, kind of, something to attract new students and so forth to, the, to their program. Oh, I see. You think there, it might be, a, you might be bait. I might be bait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's still, they look at you as someone that's well-known. I guess I, I, that makes sense. You know, a lot of guitar players would actually cite you as a huge innovator with the sounds you got, particularly on Raw Power. Was there anything special about your setup uh, to you at that point? Well, yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple of things to that sound. It's um, it's the gear, um, and so I, I think I was one of the early people who put the combination of, uh, you know, humbucker-type instrument, in this case the West Paul Custom, um, together with an AC-30 uh, amp, and, um, you know, that combination is pretty deadly. It, it, it certainly has a, a, a particular kind of sound. And I, you know, I still use that sound to this day, but I, I also have a unique style that I developed myself. You know, I was self-taught for the most part. And I, I, uh, so I, the, the, the way that I use my fingers, you know, the, everything you do in a guitar, makes a difference to how you sound. And so mm -hmm. the, the pressure I use on my fingers or the, or the down picking style on the right hand and, you know, all that together makes that sound. And I think that, um, it just was something very, very different that people had never heard before at that point. 
So uh, that had pluses and minuses. The pluses, you know, I got lots of credit later on about uh, being influential. The minuses that when they first heard it, as Ziggy says, there was no vocabulary for that music. So they, you know, people just were going, what? (laughs) Right, right. Is there any chance that the Engineering Hall of Fame is inducting you because of your guitar setup? Uh, You know, uh, it's entirely possible i'll i'll leave everything open to their imagination <laughs> but i yeah we have a we, there's a big fancy uh, induction ceremony in february and stuff so i'm looking really looking forward to that yeah yeah no it's cool when you gave up music to pursue this other profession were you giving up uh was that was that born in practicality or frustration with writing and performing well, probably all of the above. I mean, I certainly I had kind of had it with uh, with the music business. You know, the music business actually sucks as a business. You know, it's really awful. There's terrible people in it, and always have been. Mm-hmm. And you know, they people take advantage of young people, and and uh, we weren't any different. And 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 then then the other factor was. You know, we never did get the, you know, the big smash hits that we were looking for and they were looking for. And so um, we, and, and to, you know, on top of that, we weren't really good entertainers. We, we got uh, very, very bored easily and we would just write new material all the time. So when, when you came to hear us, there wouldn't be anything that you recognized, you know, it would be all new. And so, so, you know, um, we toured a lot towards the end around the U S and, uh, you know, all, we was just hand them out. And so finally that all culminated in, um, in the Michigan palace show, uh, that's so well documented with metallic KO and, Mm -hmm. um, and then the band just didn't really have any stomach for it. So we, Iggy and I tried to make uh, get another record deal by making the demos for it uh, that later became Kill City, and uh, and we were unsuccessful with that as well. And so finally, you know, I was just kind of fed up with it and and started working at a recording studio. And he went off to Europe with David Bowie, and uh, you know uh, we 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 separated. We went separate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, so then, uh, you know, how, how I got into the electronics business was through the studio. I was exposed to a lot of electronics and got interested in it. And I, uh, I ran I, by happenstance, I was in a electronic store and I saw one of the first personal computers and, and it was just completely fascinating for me how, you know, it's very, very rudimentary, you know, by today's standards, but it was like nothing like it I've ever seen before. So, um, you know, I just decided, you know what, that's what I want to do. And and so I went about trying to pursue it and, uh, you know, it took me quite a number of years to get through school and it was a, a very difficult thing, but I, I, um, and I produced a couple records for Iggy in the meantime. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure you probably read all this stuff before, but it, it, um, you know, that's really how I ended up doing all that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, some of this is well-documented, but obviously there'll be people listening who may not know the story. Uh, I'm curious about when you actually reconciled with Iggy. You mentioned that you made some records with him. Yeah. Um, well, we made, um, 
I produced new values for them. And then uh, we made about a third of the next record, um, which was called so a Soldier. And uh, but I was I was very unhappy with with how that was going, and uh, just so many things were wrong. And so um, during the making of it, I think we just pretty much uh, there was many many aesthetic things that we had dis disagreements about. And so there was a final blow up at one point. We we parted company and really didn't talk to each other for I don't know exactly maybe maybe uh, uh, aside from the odd phone call about you know publishing or something like that. We didn't really talk to each other for um, thirty thirty five years. Wow. And even then, not not much, you know. And so when I got after Ronnie died, Ron Ashton, in 2009, um, it was a bit of a surprise. But, I, you know, I had, he, he was calling initially about, you know, the funeral arrangements and all those kinds of things. And so uh, that's not surprising. But then what was surprising was he asked me if I wanted to play. You know? yeah. and, uh, and I hadn't been playing uh, really for, you know, 30, 35 years. And so, I mean, literally hadn't been playing. And so it, um, at first I told him no, uh, because it just didn't make any sense, you know? And, and, uh, the, the thing that happened, however, was that coincidentally, um, Sony not being immune to this economy started putting voluntary early retirement packages out there oh. and, you know, and so um, they were pretty attractive. And so I was, you know, toying with the idea of taking one of those packages anyway. So I, I kind of, I kind of accelerated my thought process and I said, you know what, you know, I, if I took this package, I, I, I'm free to do whatever I want. And I kind of owe it to these guys because we, you know, we go back a long way. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so finally I just said, you know, fuck it, I, I'll do it. Yeah. And uh, so I took the package and, and took the gig as a guitar player. And the only problem was I had to learn how to play the guitar again. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. How long did it take you to get back on the uh, guitar horse, if you will? Uh, it was... Um, it, it, luckily for me, I had about six months from when I decided to do it in our first show, which is Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mm. And I, uh, so I, I worked hard at it. Maybe a couple of months in, I was, you know, making good progress. And um, one of the things that I, I did that I think helped a lot or, or, uh, was I got an offer from a local guy I know who uh, was in a local band and, uh, you know, they said, Hey, you know, we'd be happy to practice with you, you know, cause it's not the same playing by yourself as it is playing in a band. And they, they knew a lot of the old Stooges stuff and so forth. So they were, it was good for me to do that. So I practiced with them quite a bit. And then, uh, um, and then in order to pay them back, I, I did a one show with them. And so we did a local show, and it was, and that was helpful for me too because uh, I hadn't played live in so many years. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so then I was I was pretty much good to go. And meanwhile, the Stooges were rehearsing and so forth. So 
uh, we got it together, and by the time San Paulo came around, we, you know, we could put on a pretty good show. Yeah, when one of the the, the great tragedies uh, of the loss of, of Ron Ashton was that the the Stooges had actually reconvened, um, and they put out a record called "The Weirdness" that had a really rough time in the press. What did you make of that album? Well, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> because uh you know i i it's just uh yeah, i think it's a sore subject but but the the thing about it was that um it's i well i can't speak to it i i wasn't there and i i i don't know but the iggy iggy's a strong individual and if you're going to sign up to be his producer you better be strong too and i think uh in the case of the weirdness it's not clear to me that uh, that that the producer was strong enough. Well, let's put it that way. In, in this case, the producer is the engineer Steve Albini, who generally will let a band dictate what they want to do, and right, he's right, basically right, right. there to capture sound and do the best job he can to capture whatever sound the band wants. So, mm-hmm. in that case, I don't think he. It's in in a sense, and I'm, I don't want to speak for Steve, but I imagine. He would maybe say. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That the record didn't necessarily have a producer other than the band. The band were the producer. Right. That's that's uh, also problematic. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it is what it is. And, and uh, I, I feel, let's just say I, I'm quite proud of the, the record that we did. Right. Okay. Were you, were you actually apprehensive? Like, given what happened with the weirdness and the reception uh, it received, were you apprehensive about putting the legacy of Iggy and the Stooges through the same thing by making Ready to Die? Uh, I wasn't because I didn't have, you know, I mean, I, I think I, I do think Iggy was to some degree, but probably more so even than that um, was that, uh, you know, everyone would be looking for raw power too, you know, and um, I think that, again, I, wa- I wasn't looking to do that. All I wanted to do was to make the band sound like us. And uh, and I think we accomplished that, and I I feel like that um, you know the album is you know is fresh. Um, there there's uh, a lot of topical material, which is what we did on Raw Power. Really, I mean, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like songs like Search and Destroy were about the Vietnam War, um, and we 
you know, here we covered, you know, gun control and, you know, big tits and section money and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, it was, uh, I thought, I thought Iggy stepped up with his lyrics and he stepped up with his vocals and, uh, and I, I put the big guitars on there. And so, you know, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with the overall result. No, and, and you should be. I, you, you were given a full co-songwriting credit with Iggy as you were uh, on Raw Power. What was it actually like writing songs with Iggy again? Um, well, when we first started out, um, of course, what we were mostly focused on was, um, was you know, m- polishing the band so that we were a Kraken band. And that basically we accomplished that in the first maybe year, year and a half. So after at year two, um, we started, uh, I was anyway, starting to get kind of, you know, wondering whether or not we could actually write again because uh, we hadn't done that in so long. So, you know, problem one was can you play (laughs) because we hadn't done that and then can you write? So we we sat down on the road occasionally and started trying to write some new material, and it was just we just fell right into it. You know, uh, there's something about the two of us that we have always been able to um, sort of bounce off of each other and and make up tunes. And so we did a few of those, and um, at some point after the second year, into the third year, we kind of said, okay. Well, we can do this, so you know, let's try to let's try to shop the record deal. So we did that, and uh, eventually, when Fat Possum heard about it, um, they were all over it. They really wanted us to record for them, and so uh, we ended up doing it. And you know, they let us do what we wanted to do, and you know, that's always been the way we've been happiest. And so we we then sat down. Um, at that point, we had a fair amount of material. Um, now this is getting into 2012, um, but we we had to write some more. So we we finished up the material and then uh, started recording, and uh, we pretty much finished up the album by the end of of, of 2012. And you mentioned that uh, there are topical themes on the record. Uh, there's guns and jobs and. As you said, big tits. Uh, can you maybe talk a little bit about what uh, may compel you guys to write uh, songs that reflect uh, these themes rather than... Uh, because on some level, I mean, I know you're writing from a personal perspective, but uh, you're kind of writing about uh, universal experiences in, in a sense, and you're trying to... Re- I think you're both trying to relate to people and have people relate to the songs on some level. Uh, is that is that fair to say? Sure, yeah, absolutely, and, and that, I think that that's the key to writing good songs is, you know, uh, some type of universal truth or some type of common exper- experience that people have. Mm. Um, and, and so, like I say, when, when we wrote All Power, uh, his lyrics were the same way. It was lots of, lots of uh, things that were relevant to the times. Um, you know, he, he's... Uh, He's an interesting lyricist. I mean, it it uh, he cover he can cover a lot of uh, a lot of territory, both the obvious and and the not so obvious uh, meanings of what what he's really saying. And so 
I you no, know, I I just love some of the lyrics on that album. And uh, you know, my <laughs> I I I uh I have to tell you um and I'm not actually joking. I I think one of the great lyrics of rock and roll for all time was on that song. Uh I think it's Sex and Money where he says nipples come and nipples go. <laughs> and so, I mean, who would ever sing a lyric like that, right? Yeah, n- not very many people. But there so, is, that's a truth. That That is a profound truth. If you really stop and think about it, nipples do come and nipples do go. Exactly. <laughs> and and then, he, of course, we did um, a kind of... Uh, um, uh, a more poignant song with the departed and and it's, you know, it's, um, a, kind of a eulogy really to, to Ron Ashton. And, and I think that that song has, uh, has an amazing feel to it. It's a very sad song, but it, I think it, uh, I think it, we, you know, we pulled it off. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, what has surprised you most about getting back on the road and, and playing music with this band again? Because I mean, beyond the fact that you, there's a couple of shocks to your system, I imagine. First, not playing guitar in you know thirty, thirty-five years, and then hitting the road. I mean that. I mean we talked about it at the beginning about how you're you got to take it easy, but the actual experience. So, what about it? Have you kind of been like, uh, oh wow, I, I get to do this again? And what about it? Have you been like, oh no, not this again? Yeah. Well, luckily, like I say, it's it's not the duty's not too difficult with us. There is a lot of travel. And of course the, the only good part about that for me was I, in my previous job at Sony, um, I also traveled a great deal. So I, I don't know which, which job I actually traveled more in. And, and so I was kind of used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, uh, you know, it is tough and, and you gotta be ready for the shows. I think that's probably the, the first adjustment is really just, uh, you know, every other or every couple of nights, you know, putting on a major performance. And, and in this band, you know, the first lion when you hit the stage. And so, it, you know, if you snooze, you lose. I mean, there is no sleeping on that job. Yeah. You know, and there's flying mic stands and there's, you know, stuff is going on. People are up on the stage. And uh, so it's, it's, um, it's wild. But um, I kind of remembered that from the old days. It's kind of always been that way and a little bit unpredictable every night. But then, you know, you got the music to kind of ground everything. So, um, no, I I took to it. I was um, invigorated by uh, all of the sort of the adulation of everybody. I just, you know, really couldn't believe that, um, that that we were so popular all of a sudden. You know, it wasn't all of a sudden, actually, but to me it was. Yeah, I mean, and, since since the, the band stopped playing, there's been a, a reevaluation. I mean, you, you mentioned that you guys were kind of hated when you were actually functioning, and then sort of retroactively there's been a crazy amount of appreciation for what you guys did. I mean, I'm talking about the Stooges and Iggy and the Stooges, of course. Like, the it's it's pretty remarkable what you guys did and and how innovative and inventive and daring it was at the time. And what it uh, what it ended up spawning? Yeah, and uh, you know, I I guess that's um, that's how we always felt too. I mean, we we thought, but we thought that we are uh, could actually 
uh, you know, with raw power could actually have hits too. And that, of course, wasn't to happen. But I, but I think at this point, actually, you could say we did have a hit because raw power has, you know, is now, you know, platinum or gold in quite a few countries. And so we, you know, it took a long time, but we, we sold a bunch of records. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, I read a quote recently from Yoko Ono, who uh, was at, uh, I, I believe that the, you guys might have played, and she was in attendance or something like that? It, and it, it, uh, She curated our show in London oh, okay. just recently. It was a few, uh, uh, last month, I think it was. Yeah, and she kind of was marveling at uh, Iggy's sort of fountain of youth that he seems to have discovered Given his performances, are you're you're, you know, you have a a firsthand look at this. What kind of toll are these shows taking on him? Because it is everything I've seen is remarkable. He he does seem ageless and timeless and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the show, is he is he still ready to go, or is he is he kind of does he need some time? Uh, yeah, n- nobody can. I mean, think about it. When you're his age, would you be doing that? I mean, it's nobody that I know. Uh, would and uh, it's just something that he's got inside of him. Um, it's a I don't know. It's a it's a it's a bunch of things, but uh, you know there he Iggy will has always been this way. He will do anything, literally anything that he has to do to go over with an audience. Yeah, I mean he, he has some really deep need for the you know sort of approval. Um, of of the audience, and so when and you'll see this in shows when when things aren't going well or he doesn't think the audience is as receptive as he thinks they should be, stuff starts happening. <laughs> you know, he starts throwing stuff and diving in the crowd and doing whatever he has to do. So uh, yes, that takes its toll on you, and and so he. Um, He's he's feeling it, no doubt about yeah, okay. it. Okay, I just want to verify that he is actually a human being and not some Superman. Ah, uh, well, you know, he seems pretty superhuman uh, <laughs> a lot of the time, but he, uh, you know, the the real Jim Osterberg is is <laughs> as human as the rest of us. <laughs> well, it's sort of sort of heartening to hear, and I, I wish him, <laughs> I wish you guys uh, many years of this to come. So, what's uh What's next for you after this? Uh, these next few shows are done. We've we've discussed this honor that you're receiving, and uh, you, you guys are actually playing at this technology conference that where you're where you're giving the keynote talk. Yeah, yeah we're headlining the show, and uh, you know they, it's it's kind of a little bit patterned after South by Southwest, where you've got a conference and you've got many many different bands playing around town during it. So, in fact, I believe it's your promoter in Toronto that actually is putting that thing together. So, oh. um, yeah, so I think, I, I think, um, that's how it got started anyway. And, and that, the, the North by Northeast thing that you guys did. Oh, oh I see. Okay. Okay. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't actually necessarily know there was a connection. I didn't look into it that much. I just saw that it was happening and I was like, what the hell Iggy and the Stooges, the replacements rocket from the crypt, all these amazing things are happening on this one day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think this, yeah, this, this, uh, whoever's, I'm not sure who's promoting this show, the riot fest, but, um, you know, our, our, our tour manager would know, but I, I, um, he, he did put together a good lineup. I, I do have to say that, um, 
uh, good luck to the replacements on following us. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll I don't know. See. I actually wondered about that, too. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of excitement about the replacements, you know, getting back together. But I wouldn't want I, when I saw you guys were before them. I, I got to take your side on this. I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Yeah, well, and we're playing really well. I mean, uh, the last, I'd say, as our sound guy says, the last 20 were top 10. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> so so we're, we're playing really well. I, don't, I only remember one show that was a, a little bit, uh, uh, you know, questionable because uh, the, the, we had to do just a line check and the monitor guy just didn't get it right and so we had trouble hearing on stage but yeah no they've been where the band's really really playing well okay so i'm not going to try to start anything here but you've essentially issued some kind of challenge to the replacements now <laughs> bring it on boys <laughs> <laughs> best of luck to the replacements i uh, hope you have a good reunion show uh once again iggy and the stooges latest album is ready to die it's available via fat possum records and the band uh, is currently on the Riot Fest tour, which makes a stop at Fort York in Toronto this weekend, and you can see them on Sunday, August 25th. Uh, for more information about all of these things, visit fatpossum.com and Iggy and the Stooges Music.com. Uh, James, before we go, is there a song from the uh, from Ready to Die that we can play right now? I'd love to hear uh, Ready to Die. That's one of my favorites. Okay, is it is it like a particularly fun song to play live? It is, yeah. We do. We're we're doing it live now. Uh, we're doing we're doing that one. We're doing Gun. Um, we're what what else are we doing? Uh, we 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 vacillate back and forth to doing like Sex and Money, and we do uh, Job, and quite a few of them actually. So yeah, but I I think that's a particularly fun one to do. Okay, uh, that's cool. Here's the title track from the latest Iggy and the Studios record. Ready to die. James Williamson, it's a, an amazing honor to get to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. Nice talking to you, Vish. See you later.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.